welcome back to Input Output. We hope you guys are doing well. We're going to be talking about Beyonce's Lemonade in a few minutes. I am Brian. With me, as always, is Vince. We are proud members of the Multiversity Podcast Network. Check us out on the internet at multiversitycomics.com. But before that, Vince, this album, Lemonade, is very much about a relationship between two famous musicians. There's a lot of Jay-Z and Beyonce romance and... Well, lack of romance, I guess, on the album. So before we get into that conversation, let's talk about some of our favorite couples in music. Why don't you start us off with one of your favorite couples? Sure. So I was going to mention uh, June Carter and Johnny Cash. You took my first one, you fucking asshole. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We got married in a fever. saw the Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> movie. Uh, I think of it more of a, as a Reese Witherspoon movie, but... That's... Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> that's fair. I do um, not. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, regardless of, of what happened to their relationship and how tumultuous it was, um, boy, the songs that they did together mm-hmm. were just incredible, weren't they? I mean, like, those are some of my favorite Johnny Cash songs period when he, when he's got june with him so absolutely yeah a, a lot of uh a lot of life in those songs like it, it seems to me like they were always it, maybe this is just because i've seen a lot of footage of them singing together it always seemed like they were looking at each other when they were singing it just seemed like oh, they, sure. it was very much an intimate personal expression of their love for sure yeah excellent choice excellent choice uh my first choice is a uh, a couple that is no longer together, but they still make music together. And this is a uh, this is like the most Brian answer of all time. Um, it is a band called Dose. It is made up of two bass players. It is uh, Mike Watt of the Minutemen fame and his ex wife Kira Rossler, who played in Black Flag for a long time. Uh, the two of them have a bass only duo called Dose. And, uh, yes, occasionally there'll be vocals, but usually just instrumental, two basses going back and forth. And, uh, it's pretty nice how you can tell, I, I, I've, I've seen a lot of footage of them playing together, and there's still a great amount of affection between the two of them, even though they are no longer a married couple. It's just, it seems like it's a nice friendship that came out of this marriage. And, uh, so yeah, Mike Watt, Kira Rossler, Dose. Who is your second couple? Nice. Well, I'm I'm glad you you mentioned one that was so unconventional because I feel like both of mine are pretty conventional. Okay. And I hope I don't steal your other pick. 
I think you're going to, but go for it. Is it John low? And, John, and, John and Yoko? No, I think you're going with low. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no. What? Yeah, that's okay. Is that going to be yours? No, no. Oh. I, I purposely didn't pick it because I thought you would. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I wanted to talk about John and Yoko because um, that's a case where I'm not sure that my favorite uh, John Lennon songs <laughs> had anything to do with Yoko, you know? but You um, mean Life with the Lions is not your favorite John Lennon album? I'm not even, yeah, I'm not even sure uh, what that necessarily is. That but, was the uh, second of three of their albums they did together, like, during the Beatles. There's two virgins, Life with the Lions, and The Wedding Album. for Beatles, Beatle John Lennon lost his hospital bed yesterday to a patient. It happened at Queen Charlotte's Hospital, London, where John was keeping visual in the room. Where his girlfriend Yoko no, is being kept under observation. When he realized his yeah, bed okay. was made yeah. uh, It's not good. Okay. All right. Don't worry. Um, uh, but I am I am really interested in in uh, I think I think I find myself more interested in Yoko Ono's music than I actually like it. I'm I'm fascinated by a lot of it, mm-hmm. and there's a good deal of it that I like, you know. But um, but I think that you know, uh, regardless of whether uh, this was what broke up the Beatles or not, um, it wasn't. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I I think I think they're a very interesting couple, um, uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this was my pick before you said John and Yoko, but my second is Paul and Linda McCartney. Oh wow! Um, similar kind of relationship where. Uh, it seems like both, like Lennon and McCartney, were this with this partnership that was, for all intents and purposes, a sexless marriage. Right? They were, they did everything together. <laughs> well, we don't know that. Well, that's true. It, it could have been. They could have been um, doing it in the road. I'm trying to think of a Beatles reference that would work there. Um, <laughs> not a good one. Um, I'll think of a better one in five minutes, and it won't be applicable. <laughs> but uh, you know, both of them had they had this very intense partnership, and then both of them wound up marrying women who, until one of them died, they had a similar intense relationship with. Paul McCartney has famously said the the longest he ever spent away from Linda was the five nights he was in a Japanese jail for uh, having marijuana on him when he came to Japan. And, you know, Lennon's relationship with Yoko was similarly intense. And much like um, Yoko, Linda McCartney was a much better visual artist as a as a photographer than she was a musician. And you know her her contributions to the McCartney catalog, aside from some harmony vocals on the first couple albums, is pretty minimal. I guess you never knew, dear boy, what you would find. I 
guess she never knew, dear boy, that she was just the cutest thing around. I guess she never knew what you had found, dear boy. I guess she never saw McCartney was like, no, fuck it. I'm going to have my wife in the band, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> and I, I kind of really respect that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, th- th- those are four interesting couple relationships. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Lemonade. Yeah. Um, um, this is your pick, so I'm going to let you talk about it in a second. But I, I do want to say one thing before we start. There has been a lot of uh, chatter online about how there's too many white men talking about Lemonade. So I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. I, mean, I just want to start with that. Yeah, the the fact is is that the, the <laughs> I mean that's that's not a bad point. Um but the fact of the matter is um I can't think for our show, I can't think of a better album to talk about this week, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the cultural touchstone of the moment, right? Absolutely. So so why not talk about it? I know the world doesn't need another couple of white guys talking about it, you know? But they're and getting we, it. <laughs> but they're getting it. And we probably don't have much to add to the conversation. Although maybe, you know, who knows? But, um, but you know, there, there's there's endless bandwidth in the world, right? So <laughs> we might as well spew into it a bit. Sure. Um, um, so let's let's, I guess, begin with our personal relationships with Beyonce's music? Yeah, well, I'm a member of the Bajency, so um <laughs> <laughs> so so I've I've been I've been in for a while now. Um no, no, I'm a I'm a big fan of Beyonce's. Um I I like pop music quite a bit. Um and there's there's been a recent like sort of they've been calling it the poptimist movement, you know, mm-hmm. where like people are optimistic about pop music again it's you know people are seeing it less as disposable trash and more um as you know important cultural touchstones and i think uh, first of all i'm i'm in favor of that but i kind of bristle at the idea that we're calling it something you know (laughs) i think i think music is music and there's bad pop music and there's good pop music and there's bad country music and there's good country music you know yeah i agree Um, with that but I think Beyonce in particular has has been the height of pop music. Um, I know there's a lot of superlatives being thrown around lately, you know, like flawless and whatnot. You know, like mm-hmm. like like every every you know people are falling over themselves to 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 talk about how great she is, and she is. Um, I think she's one of the pillars of pop music right now, for sure. I think she's been transcending. Um, what we think of as top 40 radio for a while now, actually. Um, 
I guess I first took note of her as like a serious solo artist uh, when she released I Am Sasha, Sasha Fierce. Sorry, I was stumble over that. <laughs> then every every release has been stronger than the last when you when you when you talk about like cultural impact and uh well-roundedness and musicality too um so i've been a fan for maybe a half a decade now and and it's only getting stronger so (laughs) (laughs) um but i know you and, and you can talk about this i know you didn't have much of an opinion of Beyonce one way or another. Yeah. Um, you know, beyond, you know, I, I'm somebody who, who very much is in the same camp that you mentioned earlier is I don't think there's any such thing as, as I think all music is equally important and equally as important to the listener. And there shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a badge of honor to be a rock fan who likes a pop song. And I feel like we get a lot of that in the media right now of, like, I'm somebody who's classically trained, but I love Beyonce. Like, who gives a shit? If you like it, you like it. Like, it's good. You know, I, I'm very much in that camp. And so yeah. there's been a lot of Beyonce's music, if I'm being honest with myself, dating back to Destiny's Child. I've been like, this is quality pop music. You know, I have no issue with this. My – when I said to you I had almost no opinion, though, I've never really spent time with a Beyonce album before. Like, you know, I've heard plenty of songs and enjoyed plenty of songs and purchased a number of songs, like a singles or whatever, you know, uh, especially because I'll occasionally DJ a party or something. And so there's a couple of Beyonce solo tracks that you need to have if you're DJing something because they're great songs people can dance to and that sort of thing. Um, But like I said, I had never really invested much time in a Beyonce record before. And I, um, so from that perspective, I think it was a very interesting exercise to spend you know a little bit of time with this album uh i i enjoyed it quite a bit i think it's a really strong record it's one of those albums though that i think is going to be kind of hard to talk about in the moment because i think so much has already been said and i wonder if the things that are being said are going to be the things we're going to be caring about this album in five years or even in five months Uh, does that make sense yeah, I'd like to I'd like you to expand on that as we go through, but I okay. think that I think that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean I, I mean there's a lot, yeah, there, there there's you, clearly this is a strong album. This is a strong collection of songs with an overarching theme and uh and 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 it's really strong from a musical perspective. Um but I I think I know what you're saying because 
a lot of that is being diluted with the tabloid story behind the album. Is right. that what you're saying? And not, yes. and not that, and not that that in its, I mean, some of the best albums were inspired by things like that, but, but when that news story is in the forefront alongside the music, I, I guess I feel that same way too, you know? Yeah. That, that stuff to me, actually, I don't know if I said this on the show last week or not, but there was the, there was the, 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 um, visual album quote unquote that, that debuted on HBO and it's on title now. Um, I haven't watched it. Neither have I. No, I've listened to this album, you know, somewhere between a dozen and two dozen times. And I don't feel the need. It, it, I, it could be artistically fabulous, uh, from a visual perspective. I'm sure it's, it's great or whatever. I, I listen to this album so much. I don't feel like I need to go watch that. And I don't feel like whatever, I don't feel like I need to bring anything from the outside in, mm-hmm. you know, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think that's something that music has been struggling with for about 30 years now. You know, since MTV became a thing, it's, you know, do you want to rely on your own personal connection to the music and your, you know, it's like reading a book, right? You you have a visual in your mind when you're he- when you're seeing these two characters interacting, and then when they make a film of that, you either have to accept or reject the film's adaptation in regards to your own. And so, do you want to take the visuals that you're creating yourself for this album, the feelings, the emotions, and do you want to have those perhaps replaced by Beyonce's visual goals? You know. Um, and I'm with you. I don't necessarily need the visual album. I think the visual album is a really nice bit of media control. Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting way to release the album. I think that, you know, for a lot of people, they heard the album for the first time when seeing the visuals. And that really changes the listening experience, I would think. Yeah. I guess I, I, guess I can't totally speak to that, considering I haven't seen it, but... Um... But yeah, I would imagine, you know, and you know what? There's something to be said that like Beyonce can do whatever she wants, you know, Uh, I mean, she can, I I like that she's like super into making this like a visual experience. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying like, I think the album is strong enough that I don't feel a strong desire to, to go back to that. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. So, um. In case somebody's hearing this in 50 years in a time capsule of some sort, um, the sort of big tabloid story that's around this album is it appears that the the majority of the record, specifically the first half or two-thirds of the album, appear to be dealing with some sort of infidelity on the part of Jay-Z in their marriage. And, you know, I had heard this before I heard the album, like, I had heard that, oh, this is an album about her and Jay having marital difficulties. And I expected that to be a theme of the album. I didn't expect it to be as overt as it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really beats you over the head with the idea that, that he fucked up here. <laughs> um, and that's yeah. not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, it's just surprising 
how frank she is about that. I think it's a good thing, and I'll tell you why. Because so often artists say that they're, you know, if so, <laughs> I just got done complimenting pop music, but I'm going to kind of backtrack on that just a tiny bit to say that, like, a lot of times I find that pop musicians say that an album is about something or was inspired by something. And you find that to be true about like, you know, maybe one or two of the songs. And, but in reality, it's just a collection of pop music. You know, right. mm-hmm. I think this is, I think the fact that it's such a prevalent theme that, that really does beat you over the head with it is a strong statement for somebody in her position, first of all, because she's about as big as it gets, you know. Um, but it's also a step forward for pop music in in some fashion. Not that it's never been done before. I'm just saying, like, you know, it doesn't happen every year. Right. Something so strong thematically, um, you know, that happens pretty much across the entire album gets released on, in a very pop pop music popular scale, you know. To me what what separates this from so many of the albums and songs that are that are similar even in the pop music vein. Like one of the things I thought of was Justin Timberlake's Cry Me a River. How that's supposedly a kind of a fuck you to Britney Spears after they broke up after she had cheated on him. You were my son. You were my earth. Took a chance, made of a plan. But I bet you didn't think that they would come crashing down. No, song that's very much looking at that in the rear view but to me this album is looking at the situation as it's happening like yes the it appears that you know if jay-z was cheating which it it appears he was it doesn't seem like that's an ongoing thing but they haven't split up this isn't a year later reflecting on this this a lot of this seems to have been written in the moments this was happening or in the immediate aftermath to it. So it feels more visceral and more real than I think a lot of pop music or a lot of music period that was influenced by romantic events. That's a really great point. I'm I'm glad we got to that place. Um Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's You definitely feel that when you She's to she's that. working through shit. 
on this. Yeah, album. yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it's not like it's all about like what a bastard he is either. You know, there's no. there's definitely some conflicting feelings there. You know, mm-hmm. especially by the end of the album. Yeah. You um, yeah. You start to get the idea that that she's coming to grips with this and that she sees her marriage as something stronger than so something that can that, that can weather this storm. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I really like that. Uh, I I really do. I actually get the impression that that their marriage is is incredibly strong because I think a, a lesser marriage wouldn't have handled this. And yeah, maybe, right, maybe a lesser right. maybe a lesser person wouldn't have handled this. Like, I, I think she comes off as incredibly. Um, you know, there's moments when she is angry as as anything, and there's moments when she's incredibly sad. But she she's always presenting herself as being more than just that current emotion. Yeah. And I think that's very hard to do in a relationship. I think when things are good, you have a hard time focusing on the bad. And when things are bad, you have a hard time focusing on the good. She's able to do that. And I think it's really a testament to her as a person, not just as a musician. But I I think this album says a lot about her as a, as a partner in a romantic relationship. I think you're right. I think that's a great point too. Um, yeah, I I love how um, conversational it is at times too. It's almost like um, it's almost like when you are arguing with your significant other, and like at 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 one moment you're trying to be sensitive, and at another moment you're just like, "Fuck you!" You're out for you blood. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that that comes across like. You know, it's it's very human, and then you're right. Like her her character and her personality um, st- stands out. You know, uh, beyond that. So it's it's you know, at the same time, it's very much in the moment. But but you get an arc sort of 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 who she is as a person. Based on based on all the different emotions she goes through, you know, yeah, absolutely. And and you know, <laughs> um, she at times she's just like anybody else, you know. Like she says things that we've all thought at one time or another, you know. Yes, and that have been thought about us, I'm sure. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, so yeah, I think in that way, this is like this is a, a, a huge achievement. And, uh, and I, I always say that like my favorite albums come from someplace deeply personal, you know, mm-hmm. and this is no exception. Um, th- and it took us all by surprise, I think, you know, yeah, like it was just boom Friday night or whatever. And here it is, you know, one thing I, I want to say about Beyonce before we get into the meat of the album is she's somebody who I, I think is not subtle many times. Mm-hmm. This isn't like this is um, coming from a person who is incredibly nuanced. I mean, just think about some of the the music she's made in the past. But also, a couple of years ago, I forget what awards show she was on when she performed in front of a big sign that said "feminist." Like you know, she's <laughs> she just she she tends to kind of beat you over the head with 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 the symbolism she's going for, and that and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I felt that as as raw and as exposed as she is on this album, she never goes to that banner of feminist behind her the whole time. Like, it's still very much in check. It still, to me, feels 
like it is personal and she's not trying to transcend the like I think sometimes people try and take a personal moment and make it something that's universal. Yes. But yeah. I think that the best moments in music are so personal that you feel what they're feeling and they don't need to dumb it down for you. Like there are plenty of Beyonce songs that would let you know, yes, this is somebody who's a feminist. I don't need the fucking lights behind her. And I feel like on this album, she's dropped those lights behind her. This is just about her experience. And if we take anything from that, great, but it's not dumbed down to make it universal. This is what she's feeling right now. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. That's a really great point too. Um, I, I, feel like, I feel like I'm I, racking up the points tonight. I, you, are, you are. I'm patting you on the back, man. Um, uh, that's that's a really great point. I see you're articulating this stuff better than I ever could because I think I felt that like like yes, it's 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 amazing how you know the majority of this album is about that, and yet it's not like. Yeah, it it's a statement enough in itself. It doesn't turn around and make a statement out of it, right? right? That's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that's and you know what the 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 light bulbs that spell out feminist mm-hmm. that that's fine with me because I when you're on top of the world as a pop star and you have that platform, if you literally want to spell it out for a billion <laughs> people that are going to be watching you that will be influenced by you, you know, the world will probably be better for it. You that's, know, th- th- that's fair. So I get, I get that. But, I, but if you're talking purely from like a narrative standpoint, from a, um, uh, songwriting standpoint, you know, or, 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 um, storytelling perspective. Yes, you're right. That's that sort of thing is a blunt, blunt force object, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, it's so much more effective when it's when you pick that up from from her just putting it down, you know. Well, that you know, I, just to bring our actual lives into this for a second. Last night, you went to go see Courtney Barnett. perform and not like I, I hate that people say this people all the time say like she's such a great guitar player for a woman no she's such no. a great guitar player like and right. i feel like if you don't feel empowered seeing her play then even if there was light bulbs going out feminist you wouldn't get it you know what i mean so i guess yeah. the, i guess yeah. that's what i mean is like you know it, the message was there for anybody who had half a brain already you don't need to beat us over the head with it you're right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
And it's unfortunate that there are so many that uh, that they need to be beaten over the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let, let let's dig into a couple of the songs. What are some of the songs that really worked for you? Oh God, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, really. I think I think this thing is great from front to back. Um, uh, I guess. <laughs> See, I've listened to this album, you know, a dozen and a half times, and I think my favorite song changes from listen to listen you know okay let's just start with uh with with pray you catch me the first song mm-hmm. so that's a very um subdued and almost pained sort of song you know she's singing basically about you know uh <laughs> basically about like realizing that this is going on right mm-hmm. yep you can taste the dishonesty, it's all over your breath As you pass it off so cavalry But even that's a test, constantly aware of it all My lonely pressed against the walls of your world Pray to catch you whispering I'm praying to catch me listening I'm praying to catch you whispering. I'm praying to catch you. I'm praying to catch you whispering. I'm praying to catch me listening. I'm praying to catch me. Nothing else ever seems to hurt like the smile on your face. Quite the same. Maybe it's a cause for concern, but I'm not at ease keeping my head to the curb. And there's there's a lot of pain in her voice. That's the that's the great thing about this album too. She sounds different on like almost every one of these songs. Yep. Her range is like incredible, which we already knew, you know. But like it's never been more apparent than all the different sounds that you hear. From from one woman's voice on this album, and the opening track is just so pained and like it really sets you up for this like you can be on top of the world and you can have you know a husband that's also on top of the world and you know you think everything is great and 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 for, even for just a little while your your world crashes a little bit you know mm-hmm. and that comes across so much like that like that's pop the power of pop music to me right there, you know, like that's a very universal thing, whether you're a billionaire or you're just some yokel like me listening to it, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's really effective. Yeah, I agree. And the, the pain of the first track gives way to the anger of the next two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, considerably. So, um, I love how angry she is on this album. Uh-huh. To me, anger is an emotion that is so often faked in music that when you hear it being legitimate, it's so powerful. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like there's a couple of moments on, especially on Don't Hurt Yourself, where the the pain is visceral and the anger is visceral. 
get the impression that there might be some moments on this album that in five years might be hard for Beyonce to listen to because they are so raw and visceral, but it makes for a hell of a listen today. Yeah. Um, I really, really like the anger on this album, and I think that it's also brave to be that angry on an album because... I think that there's such a bullshit um, sort of cliche of the angry black woman mm-hmm. that she just doesn't care about. That she's expressing how she really feels and fuck the stereotypes. And good for her for doing that. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think if you see it as a stereotype, you're... You're, you're an asshole? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, for sure. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to bury that point, <laughs> but you're also somebody who's not. You you don't realize that you sound like that too sometimes, you know. <laughs> right, and and yeah. that's you. That's you also, you know. <laughs> and 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 maybe sometimes it's that you don't have the guts to let it out, you know. Yeah. If if you if you think that you're different than that, you just don't have the conviction to let that out into the world, you know? <laughs> that's an excellent point, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's horrible. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but I know what you, I know, what, I, I, I get your point, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, My, yeah, so, oh, go ahead. What yeah. I was going to say is the song that surprised me the most on the album, and so is the one that tends to stick with me, is Daddy Lessons. Oh, that's such a great song, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. To me, that is the furthest outside of her comfort zone she's ever gone musically. At least, again, I I have not. I do not. This is the first Beyonce album to appear in full in my iTunes library, so it's sure. not like I can say this without hedging my bets a little bit. But to me, this sounds the most outside of her comfort zone. This sounds like a Dolly Parton song. Yeah. Yeah. Like it sounds like, you know, we all know those female country artists who who sing songs about about family and about relationships. And even if sonically it doesn't always hew close to the country sound, in spirit it's a country song. Yes. Yeah. Told me 
almost, you know, it's almost like swing music. Yeah, really. the, the beginning of it certainly has that like Dixieland swing sound. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then, but then you know, it's very clearly Beyonce not trying to be something she's not. You know, mm-hmm. it's just over this sound that you're not used to hearing, and and uh, and yeah, it, I mean, I think it's fair to call it, if not the most um, eclectic thing she's she's done, a- at least among that like circle of most you know, most outside her comfort zone things mm-hmm. she's ever done. But I think it totally works. I mean, that's a jam to me. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, do you disagree? Do you, no, did, I love it. You I, not? Okay. Okay. No. I couldn't tell. Cause you didn't, uh, no, it, yeah. it's probably my favorite thing on the album just because it did take me by surprise. And I did walk away from it being like, Oh wow. That's, that's really that's really something, and I like it when when a record makes me makes me hear something I wasn't expecting, and you know gives me a different perspective on um, on that. You know what, what I think is especially interesting is you know it's it's also one of the few times on the album where she takes her life and she juxtaposes it with fiction, like in this song. You know, clearly Beyonce and her father have some issues. He was her manager. He's not anymore. Supposedly, her father and Jay-Z do not get along or did not get along. And so a lot of this this song is about, you know, her growing up with this father that, you know, is is at least, according to the song, obsessed with guns and is, is very different than the person she is. But what I think is interesting is her father dies in the song. Uh-huh. And her father in real life is, is alive. And so much of this album is so autobiographical that it's interesting to get a moment of of autobiographical fiction in the middle of it, you know? Yeah. Is is the death, is, is she referring to the end of her parents' marriage, which I've, I've read some people talk about, is the death the death of their professional relationship together? Or is it just that this song started off being about one thing and as she was working on it, it became something else? I think all of those are legitimate artistic decisions that she made. Sure. And yeah. uh, I like the fact that she goes out on a limb a little bit and does something uh, unexpected uh, lyrically, because I think it's it's probably the most unexpected moment on the album, at least for me. Yes, yeah, I agree too. I I I, I keep going back to that one. Um, that that's one that keeps that I keep thinking is my favorite, and and then it'll change, but it always goes back, and and yeah, um, yeah, I, I I like it. Also, it, it comes it comes after this run of songs that's very much about you know her relationship as it is now or or as it was rather recently mm-hmm. and then she plops a song about her dad in there or or you know that's at least in part about her dad um and 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 again doesn't put too fine of a point on it like there's not there's not a real strong obvious thematic connection to you know what the rest of the album's about Mm-hmm. But you get a sense, and especially if you know a little bit about Beyonce's dad and her relationship uh, with him and how it's kind of ebbed and flowed over the years, that song is there for a reason then, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it very much fits among these songs that are about Jay-Z and their relationship. 
and then it, it's kind of if it doesn't have a direct connection it's 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 just about how you know there are forebearers to uh the people you are today you know right and and i think i, I love its placement on here it's like right in the middle mm-hmm. um yeah yeah that's a hell of a song <laughs> Um, let's talk about this, the back half of the album for a minute. Yeah, okay. uh, to me, the back half of the album suffers slightly compared to the front half, but that's I think that's pretty common in my taste in music. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a lot in the past about how we both prefer shorter albums, and so I think sometimes by the second half of an album, I'm a little bit less in the in the zone as I am in the beginning. And I also think because that... Uh, because of that song's placement, because Daddy Lessons is such a great song, it kind of leaves you in this moment where it's hard to top that in the back half of the album. But sure. the more I listen to it, the more that back half really does grow on me. And specifically, uh, I like how after Sandcastles, which is kind of, to me, the emotional peak of the album, mm-hmm. we get forward, which is that you know James Blake featured song with only about only about a minute and ten, 10 seconds if i'm recalling correctly uh-huh. uh and there's very little beyonce on that song at all and it kind of acts as this bridge to the to the last three songs forward past the first just in case when we made our way to now it's time to loosen it's time to fight Forward. Now we can hold doors open for a while. Now we can be open for a while. Forward. I love you more than this job. Please don't work for me. Forward. Go back to your sleep in your favorite spot just next to me. just it, it, it to me it is the uh it's the part of the album that how can i put this it's the first time there's a song on the album that its role as a transitional piece is more like for instance okay let me, this, i'm rambling but there's 12 songs in this album i think 11 of those songs can be enjoyed outside of the context of the album uh-huh. That's the first song that, and the only song that can't. That's role. The role of that song is very much seeped into the album itself, and I think it makes the album better to have a song that is essentially glue. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I think that's absolutely true, and I I love where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um I I love I love how the last three songs the 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 first half of the album or the first 
eight songs or whatever are full of conflict, you know. Mm-hmm. The last three songs are for the most part really assured, you know. Yep. Self-assured type things. Again, without putting too much of a, a fine point on it, you know. It's not James Blake singing like, <laughs> you know, this is where I got, you know, right, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's just, it's just, you're, you're, you're meant to, to understand that that's where the album is going now. Well, to me, that, that song almost puts the, the story of infidelity to bed mm-hmm. and it allows her to focus the last bit of the album on what else is going on in her life. And it was not that cut and dry, but that's yes. kind of how it feels right. you know, thematically. Right. Uh, Yes, yeah. Freedom and and formation in some ways are are extremely strong uh political statements that don't have much to do with with uh Beyoncé's relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh whereas All Night is kind of the coming to terms with everything. Right. They say true love's the greatest weapon to end the war. Caused by pain But every diamond has imperfections But my love to pure To watch it chip away So yeah, there is a sense that that towards the end of the album we're we're moving on to other things, um, which again I think comes across beautifully in the way that this album is structured. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I mean I don't know how long she's been working on this, but I mean it can't be that long, right? When did right. when did the last record come out? Uh, two years ago, and it was the end of that. It was like it bled over into last year, or wait, let me let me look at this. Twenty thirteen, but it it was basically twenty fourteen. It came out like like. Three days before the new year, or something like that. So it might as well be a 2014 album. Yeah.
you know, two years. Plus, just, just this isn't like, you know, we know that Kanye was in the studio like until the minute The Life of Pablo was released, and then after it was released, you know, fucking with it. Because yeah. she was doing the visual album, like even shooting a quick video takes a lot of time and a lot of planning. Right. So to make this visual album along with it, you figure it had to be that the record had to be more or less done a couple months ago to get the visual album ready to go when it was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's I I mean it's crazy how how well it all came together, I think. I mean, did you hear any rumblings of this coming out? Um there there was there was a thing uh I want to say three or four months ago where on iTunes some like untitled placeholders were put for Beyonce videos. Okay. That that hadn't been released yet. But I'm guessing that some so 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 back then people thought something was up. Mm-hmm. But then nothing ever came of it and it was real quiet. And I'm guessing in between that time and then they decided to make it one you know, this one uh, 65 minute long lemonade video rather than maybe breaking those up or something. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, the plans to release on iTunes changed, you know, in an effort to support Tidal more or whatever. But there was that, and I want to say that was just a few months ago. But aside from that, nothing. Of course, this is a very, one thing we haven't talked about is that this is a very collaborative album. Yes. As pop music tends to to be more and more, you know, uh, you hear more and more about like producers and uh, pe- you know people like uh, Ezra Koenig from uh, um, Vampire Weekend, Vampire Weekend, you know, doing bits and pieces of songs for other artists or writing for them, you know, whether any of it ever gets used or not, you know, um, and then it gets stitched together, you know. Yeah, I, um, I also have to say that I, I'm sorry. You know, finish your point, and then then I have something to say about that. Uh, well, I was just gonna say like this album has been getting some flack again from, from like idiots probably that think that because there's all these different collaborators and writers that it can't possibly be like a true work of art or whatever, or, or, you know, a per as personal an album as it seems like it is. But I think that's, that's bullshit because (laughs) like all of these collaborators add to this album in such a way like, I love how pop music is doing that these days. I love that somebody from the indie scene or from like the alternative rock scene like Jack White can can come and do a song with Beyonce and have it blend in and mesh just like perfectly with what's going on with her, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it makes pop music better and I think it makes indie music better and rock music better when there's that bleed, you know? Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't always turn out well, but but it strengthens music as an institution, I think. Well, I have two thoughts about that. Okay. The first is that uh, I understand that people like to have this auteur theory of art <laughs> where there's like one person behind pulling the strings. And I think that when you see – like, you know, we talked about Prince last week. Like one of the things that makes Prince's early albums so interesting is that it's one guy doing it. And so I understand the appeal of that. And I understand that it can also feel 
more personal when you know that it's all coming from one person's mind. I get that. I also think that Beyonce is incredibly um, generous with her songwriting credits. Yes. And so I think that some of the stuff on the album, and maybe she's generous because she fears repercussions of somebody claiming some ownership for something that isn't there, you know. Um, but I don't think that's the case. I, I think she's just very, um, I think she's very generous with her with her credits. And so I think the album looks more collaborative than perhaps it was in sure. reality. Yep. And, th- and that's not a knock on it. I don't mean that as a knock on the album. No. At all. No. Does that make sense, though? Yes, yes. Because something I wanted to say was, um, you know, Ezra was on Twitter or something, and he explained that, like, literally (laughs) his songwriting credit on this thing is that he changed some lyrics from Maps by Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's Uh to say, hold up instead of wait. Right. They don't love you like I love you. And... That's the extent of his, like, lyrical contribution. They don't love you like I love you. Slow down. They don't love you like I love you. Back up. They don't love you like I love you. Step down. They don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Oh, love. They don't love you like I love you. Oh, down. They don't love you like I love you. Something don't feel right because it ain't right, especially coming up after midnight. I smell your secrets, and I'm not too perfect to ever feel this worthless. How did it come down to this? Scrolling through your call list. I don't want to lose my pride, but I'ma fuck me up a bitch. Know that I kept it sexy, and know I kept it fun. There's something that I'm missing, maybe my head for one. What's worst? Looking jealous or crazy? Jealous or crazy? Or like being walked all over lately, walked all over lately, I'd rather be crazy. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Slow down, they don't love you like I love you. And then apparently he was just dicking around with Diplo in the studio and came up with this like little loop that happens in the song, you know. Mm -hmm. But, but when you break it down like and you realize what all these little collaborators are bringing it's not it's not insignificant but it's it's not altering Beyonce's touch right to and it, the fact that know? she gives the yeah yeah yes diplo and <laughs> Ezra Koenig like writing credits on that tells you the generosity of her spirit right Right. In terms of and this. Father John Misty of all people. <laughs> yes, I forget I forget how his collaboration came about. Well he joked that uh that he plays Airhorn on the album somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh but of course the real story was that um he sent in a demo of him s- singing like some bridge part. Mm-hmm. And apparently it this little snippet made it into the song. And 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 that's why he's credited for it. You know, apparently Beyonce saw him at a festival and said, "Hey, your little demo thing made it into one of my songs." So, and he uh, may not have even noticed if it showed up or not. You know, like it's, yeah, it, I don't. It's, it's apparently it's just some little, you know, almost unidentifiable as him. You know, mm-hmm. production, just a little snippet. I th- I think that's 
kind of cool actually that because I'm sure artists you know nab stuff like that all the time and it goes unmentioned you know yeah and, absolutely and then, and then you have somebody's estate you know suing Robin Thicke 40 years later for <laughs> right sounding similar you know yeah. which which fuck Robin Thicke but you well, know yeah, ex- exactly the, the point stands fuck him in his Beetlejuice suit <laughs> and uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's yeah. Any other thought? Uh, do any other thoughts on uh, lemonade? You know, I I I'm a dumb white guy, and it <laughs> took me like three listens to be like, oh, she's making lemonade out of the lemons of the situations of her life. That's why it's called lemonade. Oh wow, Brian, I get it. Like it, it did not strike me at first because because again, like I. I, it's one of those things where I heard about it before I heard it, and like you know, whatever. And I think it's a testament to her that that's the least, that's the least subtle bit of the album. Yeah. Um, yet it doesn't feel nothing feels guarded. That's my biggest comment in this album. Nothing about it feels guarded. Nothing about it feels phony. It all feels like a true artistic artistic expression of something that had a huge impact on her life and she's able to work through it. And I really hope, and I'm not just saying this because we all like to have celebrities be happy. (laughs) I really do hope that the making of this album helped her exercise some demons and maybe saved her marriage or at least, you know, helped in some way get through this issue. Because I think that that's one of the great things that art can do. It can help you work through something. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, that's a great point. Um, and just to add to it, like, you know, people are people and we, we have no business to tell them how to live their lives or whatever. And, and, you know, but this is just my, my personal opinion is that the story of this album, considering it from track one to, to track 12, essentially, I think I think if it turns out to be a happy ending, this sounds so like pie in the sky, you know. <laughs> For the most part, a happy ending. I think it makes the narrative of the album that much stronger. If this gets, if this, and again, this is none of my business. This is none of our business at all. Right. But if it gets dragged out into this long thing that ends in like, you know, <laughs> even more shit in the tabloids and like more albums down the road, you know, mm-hmm. not that this album will be any worse, but the story will be sadder, you know, <laughs> like to me, this is such a great arc from beginning to end. And that arc changes if it's not, if, if, if this isn't, if this doesn't go, you know, some way to getting resolution, yeah. but that's, but that's not my story to tell or determine, or, you know, I'm not trying to say that it is. I'm just saying, that would that would be that would be how I would feel, you know. Yeah, I, I would feel a little bit of regret, like oh, that's that's a shame because this album showed an arc, you know, and it's a really nice arc. Yeah. So. I agree, wholeheartedly. Yep. So you ready for my pick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lay it on me, string bean. All right. So for the second week in a row, I've gone in not knowing what I was gonna. Like when we started recording, I had no idea what my album was going to be. Uh-huh. But it hit me that there's the perfect album out there for this. And Ooh, it's can I, al- can I can I guess it? You're never going to but go for it. 
Well, no, now that you no, say no, that. No, 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 no. What do you think it is? Uh, I thought I thought you were well. No, that that would break your rule of uh, not having anything to say about a classic album. I was going to say rumors. No, but you're 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 in the right spirit. Oh, okay? I um, can't remember the name of this one, but is it? Um, shit, you're not going to get it. Okay, all right, fine. All right, so there was an album released in October of 2006 that had a accompanying DVD with it that had a video for every song. But that's not why I picked the album. Okay. And it's an album by somebody who is both was both in a high profile relationship and is the result of a high profile relationship. But that's not why I picked the album. <laughs> the album is about infidelity and working through that infidelity and that's why I picked the album. Oh. The album is called Friendly Fire and it's by Sean Lennon. Oh, uh, just to quickly give the backstory b- about this album, Sean Lennon was dating actress Bijou Phillips, and she cheated on him with his best friend, and his best friend of like twenty years. Then the best friend died in a motorcycle accident before he and Lennon could make up. And so this the album is a lot about him dealing with both the loss of his friend and also the loss of this relationship. And, uh, yeah, that's the album we're going to listen to, Friendly Fire by Sean Lennon. Nice. Can't wait. So pause the podcast, take a listen. We'll be back in a minute. And your heart is broken Because I walked away Welcome back to Input Output. We just got done talking about Lemonade, and now we're talking about Friendly Fire by Sean Lennon, the son of John Lennon and Yoko Ono, born Wait, in 19... 19- what? Yeah, I know. It's shocking shocking news. Uh, born in 1975, uh, he essentially, his birth put John Lennon into retirement. He took the last five years or so of his life off to raise his son and just started getting back into music when he was tragically murdered. And so Sean Lennon has been somebody that has kind of been on the periphery of the New York City music scene since the mid-90s. He was at one point signed to the Beastie Boys Grand Royal label, and he played bass for the band Chibomato. He's done all sorts of um, collaborations with various artists, especially, like I said, in the New York area. But this is only his second uh, solo record, and it came out... In uh, 2008, I believe. Uh, we'll look in one second. And uh, he recorded a lot of it uh, seemingly over over a period of time. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's a very... 2006 came out. It doesn't sound like a very rushed record. It sounds very, uh, very intricately put together. And uh, yeah, I was a big fan of his first album called Into the Sun, which 
if I were to describe it to you, would sound a lot like a Beck album from the same time, like uh, very much influenced by Brazilian music and a little bit of hip hop and some psychedelia and things like that. cleaner pop album it um you know it has a lot of acoustic guitars and you know plucked piano and things like that so um i have feelings on the album but i want to hear what you thought of it first uh were you familiar at all with with his work before this or no oh yeah definitely definitely i've i've probably heard most of it um uh interesting thing about that though is that i probably wouldn't say that i like most of it Okay. Um I guess it, I guess it's always occurred to me that like sometimes I feel like he he needs a, a editor or like a, uh like a guidepost or something mm-hmm. cuz he gets a little far out for me um at times um Are you talking specifically about this record or his work in general? No, no, work in general. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I know he does. He does a lot. He bounces around a lot, lots of different kinds of music, different projects. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just saying, I I end up, you know, maybe liking half of it. You know. Yeah, I think that's about. That's pretty fair. This is probably my favorite thing he's ever done. Okay. Um, because I think from from front to back, it's good, mm-hmm. and it's not like it never it never loses sight of what it wants to be or what it's trying to be. Um. Yeah, it's a very just, focused album. Yeah, yeah. Yes, for sure, for sure. Whereas like I like I just saw um last summer we just saw um Ghost of a Sabretooth Tiger. Okay. They they who, which is like Yeah, who were they opening for? Cuz they they tend to get on big tours as the opening act a lot. It was it was at the uh, the Currents uh, Rock the Garden Fest. Okay. They were the first act on one of the days i think it was sunday or whatever but um anyway they they played and i really enjoyed them live mm-hmm. but i have to say that the album i had listened to the album previously and it didn't really get me jazzed for seeing them okay and then when i then when i saw them i appreciated what they did a lot more you know but like that's a little too avant-garde for me okay But you read in the tea leaves Messages from Jesus Sending the grease upon the grilled cheese Do you agree with the man on the TV? Evidence that aliens brought elders to the Pleiades 
sound like a plebe saying that, but no, no, I, <laughs> I like about but, half that album a lot. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some sounds on there that that are interesting, but uh, live was a different story. So I, I really appreciated it live. But the the fact remains is that you know I've listened to a lot of his different albums and projects, and you know I like about half of it. And this album is so focused and so like inspired i think mm-hmm. um it's it's probably my favorite thing by him and i'll I'll even go you you compared his his earlier album to Beck. yeah i'll say that a lot of this album actually and i'm sure it's no coincidence reminds me of like rubber soul era beatles i could see that like there's there's a couple songs where just the the picking or the strumming mm-hmm. or like the tempo of the songs made me think like, Oh, that's, that's like totally in the same wheelhouse as I've just seen a face, you know, or something uh-huh. like that. I've just seen a face, I can't forget the time or place where we just met She's just a girl for me and I want all the world to see we've met mm-hmm. Had it been another day, I might have looked the other way And I'd have never been aware But as it is, I'll dream of her tonight Falling, yes I'm falling And she keeps calling me back again I have never known the like of this I've been alone and I have missed things and kept out of sight but other girls were never quite like this falling yes I'm falling and she keeps calling me back again But one of the things I actually think is interesting about Lennon is he's been very open about uh, his influences being kind of from the 60s. And he's he's specifically cited the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds, and Smile as like the albums that really awoken him, uh, woke him up to a lot of things. Got him woke, if you will. He said how like hearing that album made him appreciate his those albums made him appreciate his father's music better 
and just the music of the Beatles in general, because he said that up until that point, the Beatles' music was kind of like air. Like, it was just always around, and he didn't really know... He couldn't really be influenced by it, because it was just always... You know, always there, you know? Um, and I feel like this album is the first time you really hear him not... I don't want to say hide the fact of who he is, but he was totally confident to allow there to be Beatlesque moments on this album. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, to him, it... To him, that stuff probably sounded ordinary, you know. Right, yeah. So, which is crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, I mentioned this a little bit last time. The reason that I picked this album was a couple of reasons. First of all, it's an album all about infidelity, or at least inspired by infidelity, in the way that Lemonade is as well. Um, did you do you get that? Like hearing the album, did you? get that vibe or was did you just know it going in and so you kind of do you know what I'm saying like is is that a prevailing theme on the album you think yeah I think so it's um it's always hard to separate it once you know something right right um it's impossible for me to say whether I would have realized that just listening to it you okay. know yeah but I think I think the the song the fourth track which is Title track. Uh, friend, yeah, title track, Friendly Fire. I think that's pretty overt. that means you know i think dead meat the opening track goes along with that it's basically like you know <laughs> it's basically like a, de- a veiled death threat yeah it's to... a song about spite yeah yep yep and then you know there's falling out of love and that's just the last song and there's uh there's songs in between that are about instability in a relationship or longing for a pastime or um feeling betrayed i mean there's a lot of that on here Mm -hmm. i don't know if i would have guessed that it was specific i mean i guess i guess i think i would have because because so much of it is about that yeah and it's pretty glaring it's pretty glaring and and sad at times yeah Uh, particularly falling out of love is a very very sad song that i i was drawn to
yeah, I think the, the difference between this and Lemonade is that um, on Lemonade, there are a couple times where she basically specifically states the situation. Right. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that's more of a product of pop music. I think pop music tends to be um, more specific to the artist because you're creating a persona as well as a, or you're putting a persona out there. Right. Whereas I think this is more, um, and one approach isn't necessarily better than the others because I think knowing what Lemonade is about and hearing Beyonce be so overtly angry improves that album. Whereas I think a little bit of mystique uh, strengthens this album rather than rather than you know specifically calling out anyone. Yeah, I don't think it would fit in an alternative rock sort of setting right i also think the difference is that and i don't know if this was any part of beyonce's you know thought processes but you know people care who she's sleeping with i don't know if the average person buying a sean lennon album really cares who he's sleeping (laughs) with you know it's just it's just a different situation Uh uh-huh let's let's start talking about some favorite songs on the album uh, I know you you mentioned falling out of love as being a particularly sad song, but what are some of the other songs that stand out to you? Uh, my favorite 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 song is uh, "Headlights." Okay, that's that's a pretty great one. What if I told you this was in my head? You're looking at not even my eyes beneath this hat. Let me assure you that everyone loves to be afraid. Cause nothing feels better than okay. So that's high. lot of really great lyrics in it and images um and it's a pretty it's a pretty upbeat tune that's surrounded by a bunch of sort of downers yeah at the end there um but i just i like the uh, i like the, the the chorus where it's so let's hide all the diamonds and cocaine for a rainy day never forget to pray before you go to bed tonight you must turn off all your headlights mm-hmm. it's a really evocative image absolutely and and uh this particularly seems like a it it kind of seems like what a beatles song might sound like in the 90s to me okay <laughs> like the ballad of john and yoko or something for you know 30 mm-hmm. or 40 years later yeah it, it it does sort of scratch some of those similar itches it does like you know the something like the battle of john and yoko specifically 
is a that was a lyrically a very daring song at the time. Uh-huh. They got in a lot of trouble for like using the word Christ in it like that. And I think <laughs> th- throwing something out there like cocaine in the song, this cocaine is not. I mean, it's not going to shock you that a lot of musicians use cocaine, but I feel like it's not used in a salacious way. It's 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 not referenced in like oh this is so daring or uh, like oh it's a party cocaine like it's just very matter of factly put out there, and for some reason that does seem Beatlesque to me. Yeah, yeah, I think I think, sure. Uh, just just in terms of you know, using the tools at your disposal to create an image that is perhaps different than you'd expect to be created. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. My favorite song on the album is track three parachute. Mm. Um, I, I just, I really love the imagery in, in that song as well. Yes. Just, you know, um, it's, just, it's really, really beautiful lyrics, but also tinged with a, a, a bit of sadness. I don't think that they are necessarily as committed to the theme as some of the other songs on the album, but I think that uh-huh. tonally, like it's just from an aural standpoint, it they sound akin to the other songs, but lyrically they're not as maybe as focused on on the theme of infidelity as some of the other songs are. Sure, yeah, but I think there's definitely a sense of. In both of these songs, I think there's definitely a sense of longing for um, something that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. I, I'd also put in there that both of them perhaps have a little bit of dread around the corner. That mm-hmm. each is maybe both longing for something that, that was that's now gone, but also fearing what's about to come. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely see that. There's definitely some imagery that even in the songs where they're not about what happened, um, there's some harsh imagery, mm-hmm. um, you know, fa- falling, falling from the sky, you know, right. or, or whatever, you know. Um, it it's definitely if if it's if it's not specifically about that, it it seems like it is informed by what happened yeah you know yeah absolutely uh, i think the 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 biggest barrier to enjoying this album is i think that lennon's voice is a bit unconventional mm. and i know in the past i've i've played this album for other people and they they can't deal with his voice really yeah they find it a little bit reedy or a little bit nasal and while i hear that Would they have said the same thing about john because because 
what, what occurred to me listening to this album was this is the out al- like both John and Paul had a range, you know, they, they would, you could always tell it was them, right. but they could sing high, they could sing low. John could do a lot of, well, they both could do a lot of like vocal impersonation almost where they're trying to sing in a certain style. Admiral Halsey, you don't find me. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but th- to me, this album sounds very much almost identical to one version of J- John's vocal range that he sung some of the Beatles songs in. I think Sean... like, to me, he sounds extremely like John on mm-hmm. this. I think his voice is a little bit less strong than John's is. It's a more delicate voice. And like, just in general, I tend to think that male rock vocalists tend to rely too much on the high end of their voices. I tend to like a lower voice uh, a lot of times. And so I could see like something like uh, Dead Meat. I guess if you're not predisposed to like there are some people for whom the vocals are everything in a song and if they don't like the vocalist they they kind of tune out from the song. Sure. I'm not that person. I I I can look past a vocalist I don't love if the rest of the band is working really well, but I also happen to like his voice. So it doesn't really uh, doesn't really play for me, but I do know some people who feel that way. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Um did you happen to catch any of the film of the same name? No, I did not. Okay, so I I had I own this record and I own the DVD. It came with a DVD that had the film, but I I don't know where that I don't know where the DVD copy of it is. So I went online and it is all up on YouTube, and the album is resequenced for that. Like there's a video for each song, but I want to say it goes like Dead Meets the first song and then. Headlights, I think, is the second song. It's 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 put in a different order, right? And the the videos uh, aren't really connected, but Lennon is in each of them, and each of them has like a little story it tells. But the videos kind of, I don't, I really didn't like them, and not because I think they're not good videos. I just feel like one of my favorite things about music, and we talked about this a little bit last week with the Beyonce album, is is sort of creating your own imagery to these songs. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like some of the imagery I didn't feel was all that creative, and some of it I felt like was not related at all to what I felt the songs were about, you know. Um, but the biggest thing that bothered me, and this is so petty, and I'm I, I'm putting this out, this is so petty. 
it the films to me seemed like the project of somebody who's never had to worry about money. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, like for instance, one of the songs, is it, is it tomorrow? No, one of the, one of the videos doesn't matter. Takes place at a roller rink and there's like a, there's like a roller skating competition and there's a cameo at the end. One of the judges is Carrie fucking Fisher. And like the fact that like, you know, Sean Lennon can, is either pals enough with Carrie Fisher, like, hey, Carrie, come be in my video. <laughs> or, like, that he has the money to pay her to be in the video. It's just, it's just to me, it seemed like it was, it was take, the, I think this album is really strong. I really enjoy this album a lot. I think it has a concise, clear vision. And I just felt like the videos muddled that a bit. And mm-hmm. I got the impression that it was somebody who didn't, again, I, I hate sounding classist about this. I don't really mean that. But it, it felt like, yeah, I can afford to make these crazy videos, so why don't I do it? And I didn't feel like there was a ton of value to be gleaned from them. Huh. That's and that sounds harsh. Yeah. I, I recognize that. Uh, I don't particularly like that I feel that way. But, that, <laughs> but that's my honest feeling about the album, I guess. Well, you're only human. Yeah. Um... I, wonder if, I wonder if any of it had to do with... I know he recorded some of this at Jim Henson Studios. Okay. I wonder if that gives you I mean I don't I don't think that's probably very common. You know? Probably not. Yeah. I wonder if that gives you I mean I know he's not hurting for money obviously. Mhm. But I wonder if that gives you some sort of creative bank to pull from and Well, like know. one of one of his best friends is a filmmaker and he's done the score for all this this guy's films. Okay. And so I know that he has a foot in kind of the artsy film world as well. Sure. So I don't think it's all that unusual that he was doing videos and doing films. Um, but, like, there's one – again, I don't have the sort of the film track listing in front of me. But there's one where he and, you know, he and this girl are in an apartment. And then the doorbell rings and it's also him downstairs. And he's playing, like, both the person who's in a relationship with the girl and the guy who is having an affair with her. And it just it, it seemed very very on the nose to me, mm. and I, I we again we briefly mentioned this last week, but this album a lot of the songs were inspired. Sean Lennon was dating actress Bijou Phillips, and she cheated on him with his childhood best friend, who subsequently died before they could make up. And so a lot of the album is both the feelings of being, you know, having the person you love cheat on you, but also with somebody who you love as well and then never being able to make up with them and i felt like that video in particular was him very much trying to exercise that 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 feeling you know and just get it get it out and while i respect that and i understand that i don't think it particularly made for a very interesting video Mm. um interesting yeah but i think it's interesting that both he and beyonce chose their albums about infidelity to be the albums that they made so visual I wonder if there's anything to that or if it's just coincidence. I wonder if it's just well <clears throat> I think they've both shown um that they're interested in the in a visual medium. Yeah. You know? Uh Beyonce's last album was um not so thematically um singular, you know. Mm-hmm. But it did have a music video for each one of the songs. Right. Uh, so I think she's really interested in that art form 
as an enhancement to the music. Um, and I feel like Sean Lennon probably is too, just because he seems like an artsy guy who's got his uh, fingers in a lot of pies, you mm-hmm. know? Um, if that's the expression. It is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I think that's another... W- I think that's just an additional way that artists work through these things, you know? Yeah. You can create music, but maybe you're feeling something that you're only satisfied with when you see a visual effort that you put out, you know, that's fair. Yeah. Product. I, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not an artist. So like, I don't necessarily know that, but, but I've I feel seen some like... of your drawings on Twitter. <laughs> I feel like, uh, I feel like, I feel like sometimes there are just these like strong iconographic things that, that maybe Beyonce needs to see on screen before she's satisfied with it too, you know? Right. Um, I wonder if part of it is also that both of these people, to to different degrees, obviously, uh, grew up in, in the public eye. Yeah, I'm sure they're just used to conveying things to people visually as well because they've just always been around on, on TV and whatnot. And maybe, Or maybe they felt like... They've been making records essentially their entire lives. That this is this is the next maturation. Sure, you know. Sure. I will say that I don't feel that like even though you what you describe sounds a little bit interesting, I don't feel the need to go watch any of the videos mm-hmm. for Sean Lennon. And I said the same thing about Beyonce. I just feel like the the music does speak enough for itself. Mm-hmm. Me. Um, but that's just my opinion. No, I I definitely understand that. Yeah. Um. Is there uh? Is there something inherently interesting about writing about falling out of love? I feel like there are so many artists out there that have lots of songs about falling in love, but then there are, there are many albums about falling out of love. You know, Dylan's blood on the tracks. Um, yeah, uh, Marvin Gaye is here, my dear. You know, there's a lot of. It seems to not just inspire a little bit of feeling, but <laughs> you know, an, an outpouring of feeling. Is it just because of you know the your whole life being turned upside down? What do you think it is about that that makes such good fodder for for records? Well, i I think it's I think a situation like that can be devastating. I mean, I've been in that situation before. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. And I've probably caused that situation <laughs> at least once in my life, you know. You lady killer. Somebody else. Yeah. And, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it's something that eats away at you because it's so personal. You know, mm-hmm. it's so, you wonder if there's something wrong with you or what, it, you know, what's, what is wrong with you or whatever. And, and you need an outlet for that. And if you're a creative person, you know, I, I didn't have an outlet, so I just stewed, you know, <laughs> for a long time. If you have this creative outlet, like, I feel like not only are you putting something out into the world, but you're you're working through something in a way that's constructive rather than, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Have you, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever been in that situation? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh... 
You don't have to get specific. No, 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 no. I, I'm just, I'm trying to think. I, I guess what's interesting to me is, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I fancy myself a little bit of a songwriter. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not making records that people care about, but I definitely, you know, I definitely channel my emotions through, through making music sometimes. But I find that I'm not, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm more productive when I'm sadder than when I'm happy. And and maybe that's a common thing with, with artistic people. Maybe they're not, when you are happy, you're not running down to the guitar to like express that. You can just kind of enjoy being happy. But when you're sad, you need to find a feeling to replace that sadness. Mm-hmm. And so the creativity acts in that, in that way. That's kind of what I'm thinking about now. Just how you would think just, you know, intellectually, well, if you're going to write when you're sad, you can write when you're happy too. So why aren't there more, you know, um, head over heels and love albums? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I guess a, a, a happy relationship isn't the most interesting thing to write about either. Right. Right. I, I mean, inherently storytelling and whatnot is about conflict and, right. And, and, you know, and, and also it's like, it's like the feeling you get when you when you're angry or whatever, and you just want to go, like, punch a bag for a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I feel like that's songwriting for some people, you know. Absolutely. Well, especially like Beyonce, her album is full of anger, you know, at times, and I imagine for her, that's like punching a bag, you know. <laughs> right. Dancing for her is like punching somebody in the face you know yeah. it's productive it's rare that the bag will then make an album in response to yours yeah but, you know it's a whole right. other thing <laughs> do they I, I saw this on twitter earlier but do, do they talk to one another yeah, i don't think okay. so no i don't think so no. I, okay well if you and i ever have beef i'm gonna write an album so that you know about <laughs> it. we're not gonna talk about it okay no I, I I hope it's either like a, a super like funky Sly Stone George Clinton album that you make about us being <laughs> at odds, or it's like super confessional emo <laughs> music. Uh, yeah, it's gonna yeah. be um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot like uh, uh the Flaming Lips uh, Zyrica. Okay, you're gonna have to play it on four. Di- you have to play it on four different turntables. To get the full effect, I accept the challenge. <laughs> All right. Um, is there anything else to say about the album before we uh, move on? No, I think you picked another winner, though. One of these days, I'm going to pick an album you're going to hate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for it. Well, uh, you, you know what a few of those would be, so I know. I know. Pull that card whenever you want. I know, but I'm also trying. I, I, I the last two times, especially, I've gone into it. With a couple of ideas, but I'm trying to let our discussion kind of lead me where I'm going next. And I think mm-hmm. that's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah. So, uh, But tell us, what's what's next week's album? Oh, God. Um, so I'm trying to decide between a well, few of them. Okay. Um, no, don't, I, don't tell me what's in contention yet. No, I, I, want, I want you to pick just, let's say, one through... Four. One through four, okay. Um, well, let me ask you this first. Is there one that you think 
will uh, make for better conversation, but maybe not as enjoyable of a listen. Because I'm up for for whatever. No, I think four of these. I'm equally interested in in four of these, and I just want you to decide for me. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Two. Two. Yeah. We're going to listen to. Hello, input output listeners. Uh, Vince here. Last time we uh, we talked, Brian and I picked uh, Charles Bradley as the new album we were going to listen to, and lo and behold, James Blake dropped his album uh shortly thereafter so uh, i pulled a quick audible uh got it approved by brian we are going to be doing james blake's new album uh the color in anything so uh we'll be listening to that instead of charles bradley no offense to mr bradley but uh we felt like james blake was the hotter ticket so we're going with that so Vince, uh, the NFL draft is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're back to being human again. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, no, 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 no. You're just. <laughs> I, I don't mean you weren't human because you were bad. You were a football <laughs> machine, you know. Um, uh-huh. But if uh, what would folks be be uh, be talking, be hearing you talk about on Twitter right now? Um, like, what, what what are you what are you focusing on? I'm I'm I'm. Re- <laughs> I'm retweeting a lot of dank memes about. Um, about bad conservative uh, pundits and and bloggers. So, okay, okay. So you and, know, being and, that we're in an election year, and where would people find that on Twitter? Oh, at vj underscore ostrowski. Okay, I am pretty much at this point tweeting about the Mets and as many Ted Cruz things as I can find. Um, <laughs> you've seen Ted Cruz punching his wife in the face now, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I watched it like ten times in a row today during my lunch break at work and was crying, laughing. I was watching it. Uh, It, You just know it's not even close to the first time. (laughs) No, Jesus, that's Um, slander. Yeah. No, it just it's. It's the perfect encapsulation for his campaign because he doesn't know he's punching someone in the face, but he does it three times. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's so perfect. So uh, if you want to look at that stuff, I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, until next time, enjoy, folks. Good night. And just as the sun sets, just as we will forget these precious moments. When another day is through And just as the moon knows It cannot always glow through every evening Some days you will find me sleeping Cause I'm on again